We are gratified that you have joined us in our continuing studies in Proverbs. In this session, I'm answering requests. I'm taking up Proverbs, our passages from Proverbs, people have asked me to deal with. So other than the theme of wisdom from God, there is no thread in this presentation, just taking up a variety of Proverbs not covered before, but that you have expressed an interest in. First, I've been asked to teach from Proverbs 18, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read Proverbs 18, verses 1 and 2. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Same passage, Proverbs 18, 1 and 2 from the New International Version. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. There are people who are out of step with the whole idea of friendship, being a part of a team or a group. They isolate themselves from people then something else is attached to that in the passage, seeks his own desires. So you have two things together, isolation and selfishness. There is another phrase here, isolated, selfishness, and this person breaks out against sound judgment. If you have the NIV, the phrase is against all sound judgment. They start quarrels. So stack up what is described in Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. Stack all this up together. Isolated, selfishness, against sound judgment, and this type of person ignites quarrels or stirs up strife. No wonder they are isolated. Then there is more when you add the second verse. These kind of people find no pleasure in understanding, but they delight in airing their own opinions. It strikes me that this is the opposite of what James said to Christians in James 1 verse 19. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We are to be a people who do not glory in our opinions and assert our opinions to start quarrels. We are to be a people who find pleasure in understanding and who are hesitant to express our opinions, especially in a heavy-handed manner. And we need friends, and we find our best friends among those who share our faith in Christ. This proverb upholds humility, friendship, and discipline. Here's the next one. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. We are all familiar with, and we have observed, a beaming, proud father whose son has done well, especially if the son has exhibited consistently a life of faith in God desiring to be a disciple of Christ and 
to be trained and equipped to help people and go to heaven. What a proud father. The other end of this is the pain of seeing your children fail, not embracing wisdom. So this is an observational proverb that just reminds us of how the parents' emotions are tied to the conduct and outcome of their children. Similar for grandparents, when your grandchildren fail or succeed, the corresponding emotions are part of our experience. Proverbs 17.5, I've been asked to talk about. Proverbs 17.5, whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Those who mock the poor insult their maker. Those who rejoice at the misfortune of others will be punished. That second reading came from the New Living Translation. This is certainly about an immature attitude, but it is spoken. It is expressed. Those who mock the poor. We ought to guard our attitude about people and toward people who are less fortunate and who may be victims of injustice or poverty they could not have prevented. I think this is a rude attitude or a snobbish treatment of the poor that does not belong in a child of God. We don't always know why someone is suffering with economic poverty or destitution. We must not just automatically look down on people less fortunate, and the mocking, insulting words are just childish. But the real consequence to be thought about here is insulting God. Listen again. Whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. If we delight in someone's misfortune, glad at someone's calamity, we will not go unpunished. Still in Proverbs 17, let's look at 15 through 16. Proverbs 17, 15 through 16. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? The New Testament says, there is only one way the wicked can be justified, and that is through faith, repentance, and baptism. And that obedience is in response to the grace of God in Christ based on his atoning death. Very different from that is for a man to just confer justification or endorse the wicked or offer up an excuse for wickedness similar to that to condemn the righteous. This proverb says both alike are an abomination to the Lord. And then in verse 16, why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? Don't buy what you don't know how to use or do not really appreciate. Here's another. Someone asked about this one in Proverbs 19:18. Discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Proverbs has a lot to say from God through Solomon about discipline, and that starts with self-discipline. You know that you can't teach anybody else discipline 
if you don't know it. So it starts with self-discipline and then helping others to develop good spiritual moral discipline, especially in the case of children under your charge. Hope in this verse is connected to discipline. I have two other requested Proverbs that will take a few more moments. Proverbs 23, 4 through 8. This is Proverbs 23, 4 through 8. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Do not desire his delicacies, for he is like one who is inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the morsels that you have eaten and waste your pleasant words. Well, here's a scenario that plays out. A man has a great lucrative career. He leaves the house at six in the morning. He gets back sometime after six at night. He's dead tired, little or no energy for his family. They have plenty of money, live a high economic lifestyle, but the toil of it has deprived the father of quality time with his family. This says one should be discerning enough to resist that. About wealth, this says, when your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Your family was deprived, and your money has flown away. This, therefore, is prohibitive. Do not toil to acquire wealth. There are situations where we fail to see that wealth is temporary and elusive. In the NIV, it reads this way, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. And then the next part of this one, Another prohibition, do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy, do not desire his delicacies. I needed another translation of this, so I checked the NIV from verse 6 down through verse 8, and here's how it sounds from the NIV. Do not eat the food of a begrudging host, do not crave his delicacies. For he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten, and you will have wasted your compliments. I think this tells us two things. One, if we function as a host, we ought to be generous, gracious, and not begrudging. A good-hearted host is valuable. So if you're going to have guests, don't let that be just a matter of begrudging duty. Be gracious as the Lord is gracious. The Lord has spread a table before us, and he is not begrudging. He is kind and gracious. That's the model for us when we offer something to someone. 
physical or spiritual. Number two, this also cautions at the other end. It cautions being a guest or consumer at a table where there isn't grace, where it is detectable that the host is begrudging. Now, someone will ask, what does this have to do with my spiritual life? How does this help me to be a Christian? Well, first, this is observational. It is something that can happen here on earth in social situations. It is helpful just to know that these kinds of things occur. But there's another message here. Yes, and it, it may be verse 8 takes us there. You will vomit up the little you have eaten, and you will have wasted your compliments. It is not wise to accept an invitation or participate in a social event when the host really doesn't want you there. It has no value, and it may make you sick. Thus, the proverb is not only observational, it is prohibitive. Do not eat the food of a begrudging host. In the Christian Standard Bible, here's the reading. Don't eat a stingy person's bread, and don't desire his choice food, for it's like someone calculating inwardly. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit the little you've eaten and waste your pleasant words. I have two final thoughts about what we've studied. Number one, as you read through the Proverbs, look for those observational Proverbs and let them cause some personal reflection. There are just things that happen here on earth. God knew they would happen, and we ought not to be surprised. Number two, be discerning about wealth. You can work yourself to death to acquire it, yet you can't take it with you and it seems like it just flies away. Thank you for listening.